Welcome to Boo Crew Case Files. I'm your host, Bree. Alongside me here is my good friend, Charles. Hello, everybody. And we are at St. Ignatius. We're actually in the confessional here. Uh, they've been doing some redecorating. They actually are hosting concerts in this room. Uh, we do also have several other really cool devices, but what's even better is we have the creator of those devices here with us now, live from the UK, Andy Guy. Welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for inviting us on, Brie. It's uh, nice to talk to you and uh, hi, Charles. Yeah, you as well. It's so phenomenal to have you here. Um, so, you know, I've been, I've been thinking, you and I have been talking for a while now. To the listeners, this is my mentor. And he's been helping me out, learn about uh, different devices, helping me with coding, 3D printing. Uh, so what I'm working on is all because of him. So thank you, Andy, for you and your patience with me. Oh, you're too kind. It's, uh, you're amazing to work with. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, the, the things you're, you're coming up with and the ideas you come up with are fantastic. Thank you. So, thank you. Yeah. Well, I do want to have our listeners kind of get to know you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah. So um, ugh, backstory paranormally wise is um, I didn't really get into it with any sort of uh, experience. Nothing really happened to me that made me interested in it. I was more academically sort of drawn to it as, as a kid. I used to take out library books, which were about ghosts, and um, just was fascinated by it. So when I had the opportunity to start going to places, uh, then I took that took a, that upon myself to find out if there was something in it, if if there was something to the paranormal that really mattered for so many years. And uh, after a, there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the one device, the um, arrow, is it not the arrow, the Magnavex. Uh, seems to be yeah. lighting up blue. I'm not too sure. It's just continuously blue. Yeah, that would tend to mean that the magnetic field that it it calibrated to uh, had suddenly increased in strength and has stayed at that level. Okay. So it's it's it can sometimes be natural, but sometimes it's not. But it's, it's something that's recorded with the data loggers that it will just stick up there. Okay. And um, might be worthwhile either spinning it around 90 degrees to see if the field changes or do a recalibration while doing a reset just to see if it okay. is natural or not. We'll give that a go, thank you. Uh, the Aeroflex but, is uh, lighting up too. Wait, yeah. And they're not. That's good news. This yeah. is good, good night. Yeah. It's not all together, so they're not stacked or anything. There's a distance, um, of course. Do you want to turn it off, turn it back on? Of course, we only have one working lantern. Atmospheric. <laughs> All right, I apologize for uh, the devices rudely interrupting you. <laughs> Please. Uh, maybe they recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so just, just to wrap up then. So after I started investigating to try and find out if there was something to it and then witnessing enough to go, yeah, there is. I had this, this burning desire to understand really what was it. We were able to communicate with something, but what was it and, and how did it communicate? And in what way did it exist in the physical world? Because if we were experiencing it, it must physically exist in some sort of form. So we're starting to look at the different 
environmental impacts that were present uh, when things were going off or things were happening and seeing if over a period of time, if you took enough data points of when these things occurred and what conditions were there, if there's any patterns that we can then see these subtle changes which were either caused by or the right conditions for these events to occur. Um, and then after introducing some of those findings from that years-long piece of research, we started seeing these these patterns of things which, which seemed to keep happening when other things were happening. So when a team started building lots of kits to try and focus on these things, and, and it worked well, and other teams started getting interested in what we were doing when they were coming on to the, the investigations I was on. So um, I started putting together bits for other people when it kind of became a, a thing that I now kind of do really is, is uh, research new things. And, and then when we find things, we, we share it out with, with people as, as uh, cheaply as possible <laughs> because of most, because, because as we discussed, um, if you found something that's, that's interesting, the best thing you do is get, get other people to, to try it and, yeah. and see if they get the same results and if they can learn something from it and then share that back to you and then you can then progress these theories. Mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, every time we talk, I learn something new and it's just a different thought process to investigating the paranormal. And, you know, we're all here in the States. Uh, blinded by what we see on TV and on uh, streaming shows, but there is a, a whole different level to it, and it's not all shock value like we see sometimes. Or uh, running into a building and, and calling it demonic, you know, presence or what have you. There's a science behind it, and I love how you and your team are investigating that and actually putting the time and the work into it. And what's in front of me is just incredible uh, technology. I mean, the Seismo. I was showing Charles how you can just lightly tap the table and it goes off. I shared with you at the Perkins house that it was going off with a train that seemed to be running just on the corner, Uh, whether that was the vibration from the train or something else. uh, That part I can't really state, but uh, just incredible technology. Thanks very much. Um, I appreciate you testing it out for me and and feeding back what you're, you're getting because that really does help. Let's talk about your most recent visit to Woodchester Mansion. Uh, I've been eager to talk to you and you've been going through your recordings, I believe. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the investigation and maybe a little bit about the mansion itself or the history? Yeah, it's it's, it's a fascinating building. So um, it's in the middle of a, a deer park. So it was a piece of land that was sectioned off by William the Conqueror in, in after England was conquered by uh, the, the Normans in 1066. And after that point, someone built a hunting lodge there, and then that was replaced by a bigger mansion and a bigger mansion. So it's always been owned by um, nobility. But the positioning of it is really odd. It's This deer park is on top of sort of like a mesa of, of land, which mm. is, is raised up from everything else around it. But then there's a valley inside that mesa, and that's where they built this. So... It's a really bad place for a building because it's kind of quite damp and dark, but it's absolutely secluded. So you can't hear anything from outside this, this valley because of the way that it's constructed. So it's absolutely perfect for investigating because you then can rule out any contamination apart from animals. Yeah, that's crazy. But the present, it's, it's kind of useful, but also kind of in, indicates that the people building there wanted that seclusion. Mm-hmm. And... 
looking to the history, that seems to be the case because it was um, built by very staunch Catholics in, in an era when it was a very Protestant country. And they were kind of trying to make their own community of, of Catholicism. And then they had um, Dominican friars invested there and they set up um, nunneries and monasteries kind of in the local area as well. And this was this was only in the Victorian era, so it's not that long ago. Mm. And it's kind of a bit old-fashioned at the time. But the problem is, is they went so grand with it. It's, it's covered in gargoyles and statues and, and crypts. And it was totally out of fashion at the time. Um, but they ran out of money, and that's where it stayed. So if you go there now, they haven't been able to put any floors in a lot of rooms. And you look at the walls, and you see the fireplaces ornately carved, but they're 40 feet in the air because there's no floors at all, and there never has been. And the building itself was very lightly used when it was only half built. But, but the weird thing is, is that it's just active all over. And that's kind of the mystery. If the family who built it didn't really live there, mm -hmm. then where does this activity really come from? And because of that, there's so many stories about the different things that are seen, the different layers of history inside that, that area, which mm -hmm. seem to compound and maybe confuse and muddle when you're trying to investigate who you can be actually communicating with. So you have to take quite broad strokes while you're there. It's hard to focus on only one period, and you have to kind of go back a few times to try and work out where to focus, what to do. Um, so we tried to do a bit of a recreation um, last night of uh, the Dominican friar phase. So I ha happened to have a monk costume mm. from uh, an atmosphere party. Um, so we got some Dominican prayers and, and chant music and then found the, well, we, there's this famous piece of footage with a monk figure passing down this corridor and across into the chapel, which is amazing piece of footage. But I want to try and recreate that passage where the, it traveled. So we played the Dominican, the chant music and then followed down the, the path where the monk traveled. And the interesting thing in doing that, apart from we start getting lots of equipment going bananas, um, was it, it didn't make sense where the figure went into because it it seemed to come through the door and turn left, which then it was just into the side of a, another wall, which possibly wasn't even there when that figure was passing through. So it might have actually been some sort of residual visual recording, which is which is quite a rare thing. We don't, um, so he's seen many instances of recording something with a video that's residual. It's normally kind of footsteppy thing yeah that's crazy i i mean is that footage somewhere like on youtube for yeah it's 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 one of it's one of the most famous ones um it was it was uh taken by chris howley and you can do you, know, you can do a little bit of googling for chris howley he's an amazing bloke a lot of a lot of fun very knowledgeable and has been investigating in there for 20 years so he's he's got so many experiences there. It's, it's um it's fascinating just to talk to him, but then you have to kind of try and rush up and get your own experiences as well. Right. Yeah, I watched a, an investigation of uh, some team, I can't recall the name, but they had gone in because you had shared that you were going and that you love that place so much. And so I wanted to kind of see what it looked like. And it's pretty interesting, like you were saying, as far as um, how it wasn't finished, they ran out of money, nobody actually lived in there, um, and, and just how it's 
incomplete, you know, where it doesn't have um, the livable quality that, that most homes would have. But there's some pretty amazing detailed work in, in what I saw briefly. Uh, so mm. I can yeah, see why you would like that place and the history and just the activity itself. The, the weird thing is as well is is there there is a fair amount of use in the building of uh, training stonemasons now. So they have people who are learning to, you know, the craft go there and then use it to maintain it. So they're constantly still working on it, which I think is almost feeding the energy into the residual aspect of it. But sure. there's just constant work and constant sculpture and they're not ever finishing it. It's just being worked on constantly. Do you think in some way that that would also be in maybe a spirit's mind, um, maybe like there's renovations that kind of keep the activity going? Is that kind of where you're going with that thought? Yeah, exactly. It's it's never it's never static. It's not been left and it's decaying away. It's just constantly being agitated. Hmm. So potentially, yeah, the, the whole kind of you're making changes to a building and then it's, it's creating activity. That certainly could be a factor. It's just interesting. Um, so any evidence that you've identified in your review so far? Well, we, um, it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. So we're in the, the, uh, the cellars and this is far end cellar, a room, which is like a, it's called a crypt, but it's no different to the rest of the rooms, but the roof's been finished and it's got, it's got this, uh, quite ornate church style gable roof and that's kind of where people focus on when you go down there and that's where they've seen the the golem figure and the black dog figure and, and growling etc wow um so we were we were in there and oh yeah that we decided at one point to take the, the monk thing down into the cellar because we, were, we had a good session in the first time so we decided to go down there and see if if the, the the music and the chanting and, and the recreation um, triggered anything there, turned off the lights and kept doing it. And then I made a joke and then several people laughed. And then after everyone laughed, then there was a, a really high pitched female, female laugh, almost, almost kind of hyena like <laughs> it was just at the end of everyone else's. Wow. And I've caught that. And that was really interesting because it's definitely no one in the team, but they, whoever was there, found what I said funny, which is, was nice. You gotta love that. Nice when, uh, it. Yeah, you can entertain your, your friends and the spirits. That, that's a way. <laughs> Chuck that is. up as a, a good investigation for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and it also is a nice thing to trigger in a point towards there was something intelligent and aware of, of our presence and what we were specifically saying that uh, then reacted to it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that Charles and I have spoken about and we were talking about earlier as far as intelligent and residual, um, you know, activity. And we were trying to um, basically get a response of anybody being in the room, make a sound. And we captured what we believe is an EVP of a whistle. Uh, we haven't been able to review it yet, but it seemed right on command when we asked. And then, <clears throat> then that was followed by a female voice. Uh, we did hear a female voice um, that sounded older. Funny enough, it, it reminded us of, reminded me of the conversation you and I had recently about EVPs being on certain frequencies, and we were talking about how it seemed to be a lower-sounding voice, almost softer or whisper-like. Um, so we kind of talked about how you're looking into the EVPs and, and the frequency aspect of it. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it is fascinating. When you, when you kind of, I think when you have, you get evidence, and this is what we found out when we first started doing it, it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's a really good piece of evidence. I love that. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? What do you do with that evidence? You, you keep it, and then maybe you use it next time you go back, but unless you kind of start drilling down on these pieces of evidence and trying to learn something from each one, then you kind of just end up with a big pile of stuff, which you, you're you not really progressing with it. Mm-hmm. So... Like I said, with the frequencies, um, I started using just just um, it was audacity to to then look at the frequencies which were strongest in these these good EVPs, and just there was a band which was quite low frequency, 400 hertz to 550, which was very strong quite often in a, a large number of EVPs, and disembodied uh, voices as well. Interestingly, hmm. so that's the thing we're talking about that, that, that it is quite a low frequency in that you were sound you were hearing uh, quite a deep voice was it uh the the one we heard we heard the whistle and then the female sounded i always say that that they sound so far away in a sense ah, um see. so to me i think it's a lower frequency but i really don't know is that moth back sorry i had a moth try to fly <laughs> in my mouth earlier Oh, oh that's so dry. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I expected tonight. <laughs> Need no. a moth? <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, kind of not a whisper, not muffled, but just kind of seemed far away um, and softer sounding. So it was, it was an interesting catch. And we did kind of try to debunk or analyze it to see if maybe it was a sound from somebody outside or downstairs and we we really couldn't hear anything else um except a dog in the background so and it didn't sound like the dog i don't think no i i don't i don't think so either so we'll we'll have to go back and so maybe i'll i'll be back in touch with you about the frequency piece but you know what frequency yeah, so we, can, we can look together yeah we can just just we can have a look at the uh spectrum just to see exactly where it was sitting that sounds That's, good um, that's one thing I always advise if, if you can do is is have an outside control for audio. So if you're going to record long-term inside, is try and set up two records at the same time and then leave someone one outside where it's safe and not going to get rained on or stolen. So then later on, you can go back to the same timestamp and go, yep, that was that was a fox or a car going past or someone with a, a loud stereo or not. not. But sometimes you can, really, you can just debunk things as as an external factor and then you check outside and it's not there and you've got them proof that it wasn't outside and it definitely was inside. I don't think that's something that we really consider to be honest with you and maybe that's just because we're too concerned with trying to keep our equipment to ourselves. <laughs> you never know yeah. who's going to come it's, by it's, and try to take something here. It's the right situation isn't it? I am um, the I actually use a, a data logger outside as well to record the environmental conditions and, and also with a rain sensor on it and uh, and, um, as well as the audio, and I have it in this uh, like junction box, which looks a bit like a rat trap. Okay. So, and you leave that by a wall, and then no one, no one touches something that looks like it's there to well, yeah. trap rats. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think anybody would be wanting to take it if it looked like a rodent trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, in this neighborhood, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can never tell. <laughs> well, unfortunately, when we got here. Um, we, we were getting ready to come inside and we heard kind of yelling 
Come to find out that somebody broke in last night. It looks like there were three, excuse me, four or five individuals that broke into the hospital. Um, they broke in through the basement and stole all the equipment from um, the tour guides. So that was uh, an unfortunate circumstance. Oh, that's the terrible. Out and so it was just one of those things that um, we didn't expect to have happen, but um, just kind of sketchy little area. But... Stupid kids. It just yeah, it just it just ruins it for everyone else, doesn't it? Because then the people who only need to lock it down more, and then you get less access, and it's getting a lot more awkward. And eventually, it's happening over here as well. There's a there's a bit of a spike in urban explorers, and some of them are respectful and and do it legally because because here you you're allowed to go on any property you want. It's not trespassing oh. unless someone asks you to leave, and then you have to leave. But so, if you go in, you don't break in, and you walk through an open door, you're not actually doing anything illegal, weirdly. Okay, so that's another reason I need to move <laughs> to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Better places to investigate. Andy's there. <laughs> yeah, and you won't get arrested walking into buildings. It <laughs> sounded better all the time. It really is. I'm going to have to talk more about that at home. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, despite that, you still do get people who do break into these places and, and uh, cause trouble, and then get and that's it. Kind of just ruins it for other people. That's really unfortunate. I mean, I think it's just crime all around is is on the rise, and it's just sad to be honest with you. For good working individuals like ourselves that you know see people taking advantage of others, it's just not right. No. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but will you tell us kind of what is your approach when you go into a paranormal investigation? That's a very good question. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in going armed with, with knowledge about the place and the people and the stories that were there. So like yourself, I, I like to research a place as much as possible and, and hopefully find things which aren't public knowledge and aren't on Wikipedia using um, old newspaper articles, sometimes stripped to libraries. There have a lot of local history societies, uh, like village um, here, So, as, as you do as well, I'm sure. Um, and they're great to tap into as well because you get some local knowledge and local stories. And that then usually dictates the sort of style and focus of the investigation. So if I also then see other groups um, reports of what they got I, I kind of tend to know if you look at something come audio based or video based or if it's going to be residual or or it possibly has had some interaction and then i'll try and tailor what we're going to do what experiments we're going to do to those factors if we've never been to the place before um i do have a tent of a standard kit pretty much the, the things that you're using now I, I take along with me as well it's because it's it's something i can then i know how it works and i can then because I'm using it as I develop it um, by using it. But um, I try and then investigate using that, that knowledge. So I quite like um, delving into the stories, but not really focusing on the negative aspect of a lot of what you hear. So if you hear a story about someone who was uh, murdered at some, some place, I don't focus on were you murdered or how were you murdered. I focus on them as a person and their story kind of leading up to that point and try and try and show empathy but but not in a condescending way and more trying to get to know that person and if it doesn't work and 
shift a little bit and then, and then try another story, another another person. Because that's the other problem is is having that knowledge and in the, in the, of the people that lived there and who might be interacting with, with people coming to investigate is to then fixate on that and assume it's Mary who used to be a barmaid there, but then 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 died and then everyone goes out calls out Mary and, and anything that happens is Mary. Um, and you can easily go down that rabbit hole of always assuming that you're speaking to this Mary. And I was trying to put myself in, if I was, if I was in that form and I was able to communicate in some way and I kept getting called Mary, that really annoyed me because I feel like I'm trying hard to tell you about me and you're completely ignoring that and just keep calling me Mary. Mm-hmm. So I'd give up eventually. So I try not to fix it on it too much, but more kind of generally discuss it. Because I'm, I'm sure you, everyone's witnessed this. You you go into, say, a, piece, a calling out session, and, you know, you might get some interaction, you might not. And then then you, you chat with whoever you're with, and stuff, stuff starts going off, almost like it's trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. So sometimes taking a more casual approach of just kind of discussing what happened there, even with the people you're with and not doing a direct calling out is quite good just to kind of draw in attention from whoever might be there and go, Oh, that's, yeah, that's, I know this story. I was here during that story. That's that thing that happened or, and that's about me. They're talking about me. That's fantastic. I want to talk to these people because they know me. That's an so, interesting um, point that you bring up though, like the Mary piece. I mean, we see that a lot, especially here with Rose being one of the, um, tenants that was living at St. Ignatius Manor. That that seems to be the one name that gets called out quite a bit. Um, and it was interesting when Ghost Hunters was here very recently, and I talked with you about the episode that aired earlier this last week. Um, the nice thing was is that they didn't like fixate on that or even really bring it up. Um, and they did more digging that seemed to add more history and value back to the building, I think. Absolutely. I think I saw on Paranormal Lockdown, the episode, there was, was just all folks, everything that happened was Mary. Oh, Mary, sorry, Rose, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, while Rose, you know, does have her moments where she's active and she does love her Coors Banquet beer, um, you know, that aside, <laughs> she's not the only one here. And, and I think that that's a good call out, you know, like you're saying, the research, the story is trying to create that rapport with the spirit and, and get to know them and hear their story versus fixating on the negative or uh, fixating on just the fact of this is the name I know and then just keep running with it, you know, trying to give them the opportunity to share who they really are. Absolutely. And and that goes into the, the, the not fixating on negative piece. If something bad's happened to you and just some stranger just comes up to you and starts talking to you about it, you're gonna you're just going to clam up. And this, this, this is something that makes you super angry and you want to get into it. You're not going to tell a stranger something the worst thing that's happened to you. It's it's something that you just you'd instantly just say, No, I'm not, I'm not just very personal. Why are you who are you? <laughs> that's true. Very true. Sorry, the air pressure changed just briefly on the aeroflux. Hmm. I'm really keen on hearing how your EMF microphone experimentation works it sounded like you you had some some activity or you used it in some way or you caught something through it yeah so earlier we had it in um one of the rooms that we were in just goofing around 
Um, and in um, a moment where we were trying to ask spirit to come closer or, you know, interact with us, we did hear some like clicking sounds. And I looked down at the meter and was seeing that it was coming off that channel that's recording the EMF microphone. When we came in here and set up, I don't even think we were sitting for more than a minute and we could just hear popping and clicking sounds coming from that microphone. Uh, so it was definitely picking something up and I have it recording into two different systems. So hopefully uh, if one audio is a little rough, I'll have the backup. That's fantastic. It sounds like very short spikes of, yeah. of EMF. Yeah. Which is, we can look at the frequencies on that as well. And if it's not 60 hertz, you can then, you can rule out anything electrical that's potentially around you as well, which is really useful. So we're going to set up that um, coaching or <laughs> study lesson, right? <laughs> as far as when we're going to go through that. We we are going to really get into it, Bri. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. So here's a tough question. You might have to go through the, you know, archive here of Andy. What's the best piece of paranormal evidence you've collected? Ooh, yeah, that is interesting. Pra uh, okay, it's 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 not a good one, but it was my first one, and that's the one that I instantly just just grabbed me and made me think. There's there's something to this. I want to keep doing it. And it was literally on my first investigation. Where it was wood again, Woodchester Mansion was the first proper one I went to, um, back in twenty ten, it was, and. Um, I'd kind of gone kitted up. I'd been watching Ghost Hunters, so I already had a Mel meter and a K2 meter and a, and a very small, bad resolution, um, full spectrum camera. Mm -hmm. And I was running around the place, and it was a really bad public event. Literally, there's people wandering, just literally all all, all rooms, just wandering bounce and forwards. It was it was chaotic. Um, and I was trying to find somewhere quiet and away from people to, to investigate and eventually ended up near the front of the building where the doors are. And as I went past this, this room, I, I, th I thought, Oh, I've not been in that room there. That's, and there doesn't seem to be anyone in there. I might pop in there. And I turned to, to go through that door and it's, it's just got this gate in front of it. It's just, there's no way of getting in, but I don't know. I, this, this weird, I don't know if you'll get these, these kind of these heavy feelings, these feelings that, you know, you're, you're being watched or something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's, well, I'm not, I don't have any mediumistic powers in any way. Mediumistic is a brick, but sometimes you just get this, this feeling that this is a good place to, to try and investigate. You call them a Scooby-Doo feeling because it's a bit like a spidey sense thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I put the camera towards the, the gated off door and say, um, are, you, is, are you watching me? Are you, are you, who's, who's there? And then I've got the camera in the, into my earphones, so I'm kind of listening to the audio that's recording, and I say, is, is, is anyone there? And I hear, Arthur. <laughs> oh, wow. And, oh, whoa. And that, and that, sh that sh shivers down my spine, and even though it's a, it's a, it's a crappy camera, and it's like dodgy audio, it's definitely very clearly on there. And the weird thing was, at that time, um, that was... It's kind of it's not it's not a personal story, but it sounds like it is. That was my father's name, who, who passed away a couple of years. Before. Oh wow! Oh wow! But so that it, it kind of instantly recognised it, but I didn't I didn't really feel like it was to do with that. So we dug into the history of the place, and there was 
an Arthur, which was the, the son of, of the owner of the building, who died like within a few months of being born. But after that, he didn't have any more children. So it almost feels like it's a, a sad story of kind of regret, as opposed to a communication directly from someone related to me. Yeah. But, but after getting that and just standing there at the moment and, and thinking, I, I didn't, that wasn't around, that wasn't on the recorder, which wasn't going through this camera. There's no way this, this piece of evidence should be there. And that's the thing that got me interested. Of course, some other sort of interesting things like, um, uh, well, you know, orbs. Orbs are, orbs are a thing. But generally speaking, uh, there are lots of, there's so many ways you can debunk an orb. It's hard to then say that's, that's paranormal. But I have a couple of instances where I've seen them and then tagged to say that I've, I've just seen this light anomaly. And then a couple of times I've caught them on video as well. So those are sorts of like with actually light anomalies, which shouldn't be there in a dark room and just floating across. So I've liked those. Um, and a couple of shadows, etc. But reality, the, the, the first one's so impactful to me that that is my favorite piece. I think that's that's really cool. Uh, I mean, just having that on your first you know investigation or experience itself. It's funny you bring up the light orb piece. Earlier tonight, we were in a room. The sun was setting. Uh, there was very little light coming through the window, and I had a flashlight on. It was pointed at one of the digital recorders. I saw a shadow ball wrap around the room and come towards the EMF microphone. And Charles didn't see it, unfortunately, but I was trying to understand how a shadow like that would whip around the room with no light source behind it. And so to talk yeah. about that, it was kind of crazy. And it still has me kind of a little jumpy, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not surprised. Yeah, shadow would indicate that something was was blocking lights really or and if it was moving around the room then the light source would also have to move around the room you're right i was trying to tell charles and i couldn't even really speak because i was like wait what just happened here uh, flashlights <laughs> on the ground there's no light source how does a shadow get? i'm like watch how i do this <laughs> this doesn't make sense that it's over there but um really kind of wild and to your heebie-jeebie creepy feeling like being watched had that happen earlier took a picture sent it to a psychic friend and she said that there was a man standing there staring at us and said don't trust him and i said i'm just not going to go there so we have skipped that whole floor to be honest with you <laughs> yeah might might try that at a later date perhaps that and the nuns quarters <laughs> another time <laughs> see you've been selective tonight because uh Gotta be. Some, some nights it's 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 good to go in places, and sometimes it's 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 not. I, I agree with that. It's called pick your fights, <laughs> pick your battles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think here we don't have them actively going off at the moment. There's been some changes, though. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, Skyrotech and the different devices that you make, please, that we've got here, and maybe what you're working Absolutely. on? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting one. So, um, I start, the first device I started off with was the TAD, the thermal anomaly detector, because, um, I had a, a Melmeter 
as, as you do. And it's got the ATDD function on the side of it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't quite understand how it was seeing these temperature fluctuations, but the measurement on the top using the thermal couple wasn't changing. So how's, how's that side of it changing temperature, but that side not? And doing some research, it's, it's, there are different sorts of sensors and they, they work in slightly different ways. And I thought, oh, I don't really know what it's doing. I'm not learning much from this because I, I don't know how much temperature change is, is going on there. So looking at a lot of the environmental data, which we record through, throughout investigations, the one I wear and the one we put down in each room, um, and where people have said they've had a cold spot or I've felt like air conditioning level coldness on, on, your, on your face. We looked at the, the um, speed of the changes and the, and the scope of the changes and thought, okay, this, this is kind of what a cold spot looks like or when people feel like it's suddenly got warmer, this is what it looks like. They make a device that focuses on just those things that have happened, those kind of localized changes, sudden changes in temperature or heat. And the nice thing is then I, I know how it works. I know what's changed there. I know what to focus on and when to deploy it. So um, I started making those for the team and then other people liked them. So then that's that's the thing that kind of got me on the path of making it for other people to then to buy for themselves. Um, we'll continue looking at all the data, of course, and that's where most of these devices will come from. The Aeroflux came next where we were using a data log or a change to have a display which showed when the air plusher fluctuates it just went off that's good timing yeah that's great timing yeah. i had that i had that wood chest i was literally pointing at things saying that just went off before and it went <laughs> <laughs> that's um, crazy and we were seeing this fluctuation so it's it going both up and down of air pressure of 0.7 pascals micropascals sorry um, during other events, like K2's going off and people hearing footsteps and, and knocks, it was it got to the point where um, I was just trying to look at a display where the numbers were changing, trying to mathematically work out how much was changing each time. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I need to make something which tells me when these conditions are occurring. And that's where the airflux came from. Um, <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> it's very pleased. It is very happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I make it, made a few of those and, and I tend to use them quite a lot in, in doorways because for me, I don't think it's almost conscious, um, a conscious change. I don't think if you, you focused on it, it changes the air, because changing air pressure is quite a difficult thing to do. If you, you've blown into it, I'm sure, um, mm-hmm. you'd have to blow quite hard or cover it up because you're trying to increase the pressure, not just move air. So I kind of can see and have seen in the footage we caught from them it it seems like a recording of something that's unconsciously happening as opposed to an active communication almost like uh, spirit walking past it or being present or kind of pulling energy in or it's, it's something that's a a, um, a symptom rather than something as a it's a direct kind of access thing well, the interesting thing is um, that it's sitting on a table, and this being the confessional had church pews in it at one point. So if it's a residual movement, walking past it, it could be trying to find a seat in the pew, or it could be uh, something walking by the table intelligently. Um, but definitely it's been going off several times since we've been sitting here. 
Is it like a like a congregation forming? Yeah, could be. I mean, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> so, um, the next one came was the the seismo, and that came from um, several different reports in, in Preston Manor in Brighton, for example, of people hearing footsteps going down the main staircase. And we recorded it a few times, and it was it was just it happened so often. It's like we need to really focus on what is going on here. So I wanted to find out if we were just hearing the sound of footsteps or you're actually getting some sort of movement on the steps to actually create the sound. So I created those and made a number then went all the way down the staircase to then see if they were going off at the same time you were hearing footsteps. And of course, as soon as you do that, you don't get the footsteps again, except for the, the last time we tried it. And we did. And the weird thing was, is that we got two two blips on a couple of the stairs to the top of the, the staircase, which set the, the seismos off, but then didn't get any more, but still heard the footsteps. Yeah. Very strange. It's, it's almost like there was a stronger um, event at the top, and then it just didn't sort of melted away, but you still heard the sound, which is one of the things you hear about residual hauntings that over time that they can change and get weaker. Mm -hmm. It's like a recording which plays over and over again. That's interesting. Um, and the recent, recent one we kind of, uh, we, we sell generally is the, the Magnavex, which was another thing which we detected, which was that the magnetic field um, during investigations could either shift polarity or have sudden spikes which weren't present before while you were investigating. And the, the weird thing was, was that the magnetometer loggers we were around the building, we didn't often see them going off when people weren't there investigating. It was more when there were people present and then actively trying to communicate. That's when you'd get a lot more um, impact on the magnetic field, which is, I can't explain that. And the other thing I can't explain is, is the polarity. Sometimes it's a north polarity field and sometimes it's a south polarity field that has spikes or, or a switch. It feels like there's, there's some reasoning behind that, but again, it's, you need more and more data points to try and understand what, what similarities there and what patterns are there. But I'm getting lots of feedback from other teams using them, and it's, it's all really useful stuff, but we haven't got a conclusion on that yet, exactly what it means, if, if it means anything. It might just... An unconscious thing again. I'm sorry. So coming up, that you? That door. It's like a squeaky doory noise. Noise then. Yeah, I wouldn't move. I thought rock in the seat, will you? I don't think you moved. Okay, so maybe it was me. No. Was that you then as well? That that. So we're. Is that okay, you? My shoe oh, his shoe. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Sounding kind of jumpy after earlier now. Right. <laughs> Slightly, yes. <laughs> I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, I've got a, a quite... A, every time that someone comes up with a... That's, that's, there's an interesting thing that I've seen here. You think, oh, that is interesting. We can make a device to try and work out what that is. So I've got this huge list of things which are going to take years to work through. But this year, um, we've been trialing um, a shadow and light detector, which detects changes in shadow and light from each direction, and then um, lights an indicator which direction that change was. Um, so we had a 
sort of prototype team working through that and using the investigation last couple of months. And I'm just working on a new version which improves on things and the feedback I've got. So I'm uh, hoping to get that released and generally out there probably next month now. So we can get on a feel a bit more. We've been using kind of rudimentary ones of those for a long time as well. And they've been very useful for just kind of locking off an area. And when people say they've seen a shadow figure crossing past a doorway, it's perfect because you can point towards the doorway and if a thing blocks the light, boom, you've, you've got an indication. <laughs> um, and if you've got the camera pointing towards it, you then see a shadow going off, you see the, the alarm go off, you've got, you've got an extra level of proof that that thing actually occurred. It's not a camera glitch. Um, the other thing we were talking about, which is the... Uh, that frequency piece we were looking at with yeah. the, the audio and the MF, the low hertz. I'm building a, a band pass filter device, which doesn't have a name yet, um, to experiment with. I'll have to send you one so you can try it yourself as well. I love it. Which, um, <laughs> which cuts down everything. So we said that we've seen this, this low frequency um, spike in, in EVPs. What if you just recorded in that zone. So if, if you didn't record anything apart from the 400 to 550 hertz, what would you hear? And similarly, if you then put your EMF mics with this filter and it just focused on those frequencies, what would you capture? So it's, another, it's a device which is almost, it's, it's experimental. Mm -hmm. It's to find out what happens if you focus on this thing that we've seen. And it's just a, it's just a beginning, I think. I think it needs a lot more development but best way to do that is, is to get other people to help you with it well get out there with something i mean it, it's a very mm. interesting concept you know and when you do hear evps typically they seem to be I, I just always say far sounding you know like they don't sound right next to you they have kind of a distant sound which would be that frequency aspect of it i'm sure um but it's yeah. just super interesting to think about being able to drill down or filter into it uh, just those specific frequencies and, and see what ultimately is captured and, and to validate that that is truly, you know, going to be your, your point of access for EVPs or, or just the communication. That's, that's it. There's the, um, the focus I'm trying to shift to now is, is devices which you can use to communicate a bit better. Cause I think the ones we currently make and use are almost passive. So they can be used for communication, but in the same way as if you said, if you ask someone to stand in one spot or stand in a different spot to communicate to you, it's not very efficient and um, difficult sometimes to get across. Yeah. So we're hearing sounds in here all of a sudden. If only you were here to walk around with us. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> We'll oh, yeah, just, I heard that. I heard that as well. It's did you a bit hear quite like, distant? Yeah, like a clicker, almost like tinking of a pipe, metal on metal or something. That's I. That's what I first thought was like water leaking or something. I, I heard it twice. Yeah, me too. And then I just heard it behind you. Right. Could it be that door? That little room back there doesn't it have a weird sound when you step on it. Could be. I've felt more on edge tonight than I have in past investigations here. I don't know why. I'm not surprised with the, that that shadow 
flying around the room. That was pretty soon, yeah, because we caught that, and then I think I walked out and took maybe about 15 paces, and I was like, uh, I just kind of feel like I don't want to walk ahead of you. <laughs> walk with me, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> then the flashlight died. Minutes. Yeah, then the flashlight died. <laughs> so we, uh, before we came here, we went to a local cemetery, and we had some interesting results on... Uh, some of our communication stuff and her Bree's name was spoken a few times. So that was kind of interesting. Didn't we have it here too? Yeah. So we were using the Sono app, um, just kind of testing out the ITC stuff. I know we've talked about how we don't truly know how these devices are used or, or created the AI within them or what have you. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, we thought we'd just kind of play. And so just right out the gate, it just starts saying my name. And I think we had it here as well. So uh, kind of interesting that that would be happening. You're quite well locally known then. <laughs> Famous. They do say that when I come Famous. Out here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe infamous. <laughs> exactly. The notorious one down here. <laughs> Me and Rose. <laughs> no, but it's it, it's a good approach you have to use use tools and use equipment, but be skeptical, Corbin, and sort of try and learn how it works. I think half my equipment I take is there just to prove the other half is working. And so it, it's good it's good to try these things and see if they have good results, but then also then try and use something else to then back the, back it up. I was showing Charles. What I'm trying to prove is fantastic, isn't it? So yeah, it really you, is. you need a preponderance of evidence to be able to then say this was actually there. This actually happened. Yeah, Ch Charles and I were talking about um, what you pack when you go on investigations, and I said, "Oh, I have a picture of his backpack." And so I was showing him, and I said, <laughs> "We need to get you a camera rig like this <laughs> on your backpack. <laughs> um, maybe not the microphones, because that might." Threw you off a little bit, but uh, I definitely think that that camera rig is good. <laughs> That's very cool. Did you build that? I, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's actually it's one of the, an early thing I built because I used to go around with a lot of tripods, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure where you're set up, but the the kind of the bigger the location and the more complicated the stairs they are, the the kind of the more difficult it is to take lots and lots of tripods and stuff. So I built it to try and be a bit more mobile and log the data that I wanted to record the audio and video, but then still have my hands free to actually then get stuff ready or you know carry other stuff. But yeah, it's it's mostly um, conduit. So I just went to our uh, hardware store and got an electrical conduit, and made the frame out of that, and then just attached the various things we needed to to that that frame. And it's uh, like a fakey sort of consumer military backpack, which has like a looping which you meant to use for camping equipment i think that just put the, the conduit through it and then that means you can carry a big big battery as well we're in luck we have that backpack ah challenge accepted. fantastic <laughs> yeah you just need to get yourself some some conduit <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll go to ace tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking to try and make something lighter now now i can 3d print time I didn't have a 3D printer. I'm just messing around with project boxes and conduit. Um, I'm trying to make something a little bit 
uh, more comfortable sitting. Did you just see the ball of light on the table? Mm-hmm. There's just like a flash of light, like somebody flashed a flashlight, but nobody's up here. Like this table in front of us? Yeah, like right midsection. It. I'm sleepy, but not that sleepy. <laughs> it looked like a ball of light just kind of bounced right off it. Hmm. I did not see. You had a great night. Yeah, it's definitely a. It's been quiet in some areas. Like the kitchen was rather quiet, um, but and then the sunroom seemed kind of quiet too, but. Certain rooms just seem to be having a little bit more activity than I thought. And I thought I saw something move in that room over there. Well, others have gotten a lot in the kitchen, but we've it's usually been kind of quiet, hasn't it? Froze me out and told me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there and all of a sudden I feel this like rush of cold air just like surround me. And so we we had sat there for a little bit trying to do EVPs and weren't really getting any sounds or any sort of response. And so we broke out the plasma box and uh, asked the question, you know, are you making me cold? And it said we were, I was. And then again, it came back that cold feeling, asked the same question, said we were, I was. Like super strange. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? There's the we connotation mm-hmm. yeah. And normally you don't seem to get the same responses in the same like conversation. So it's not like on a loop, it seems. But that was a, I can't explain it. Kind of strange. Did you hear something? I thought I saw some, something, but it's hard to tell. We're, we're both a little jumpy, <laughs> jumpy I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's about... Every tiny little, tiny little thing. Yeah, what, what, was that? what was that? Yeah, pretty much. Well, and then I'm not sure if they're coming up to evict us. <laughs> Get us out of here, too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's the... Um, that's that's kind of the that's the reason when you... I'm sure you get a lot as well when people say, why do people investigate places at night? Yeah, it should be easy to see things you know, in the daytime. But the real answer is because it's it's kind of quieter and your senses are kind right. of a lot sharper at night. So it's a good time to do it. Plus, yeah. there's less people about and you can, you can turn everything off. It's um it's a good time to do it. But you, your senses just are just so heightened mm-hmm. at nighttime that you could miss it during the day. This place, if we can get you over here, this place is active 24-7. Because being a hospital, you know, there was that traffic in and out during the daytime. I've caught uh, really good EVPs uh, of a man and a child walking by me in a stairwell, but there was just myself and Katrina and a tour guide. So there was no men in the building, no children in the building, and yet we have this EVP of a man and a child, and the man says, uh, hands inward like almost acknowledging that they were walking by people and to keep your hands to yourself. It's a weird way of saying it, isn't it? Hands inward. Yeah. I'll have to find that clip and send it to you because I could, think it was probably Could it have been a person. name? Could it have been what? A name. So like hands. Oh. 
Maybe. I never thought about that, honestly. I just thought it was hands inward, like that acknowledgement of walking by people, but it could have very well been. This is definitely an interesting room to conduct this conversation with you, Andy, especially with the sounds and- <laughs> And the a mirror right behind us. Oh, great, the portal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All mirrors are a portal, I swear. <laughs> People definitely don't like it looking at them at night time and uh, through investigations. Mm -mm. So just look anywhere else in the room rather than looking at Yeah, just cover that up. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the reason Bree yeah. covers our mirrors up is because I'm so ugly. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, gosh. I thought that there'd be a. That's why I invented black mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> there'd be some uh, sound, more sounds coming from this room, being the confessional and, you know, I still want to take that peep home. You think we can get it in the Jeep? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got a weird sort of close clicky sort of noise, by the way. So I've been noticing some of that, um, I think, coming from the EMF microphone. Ah. Yeah, there was definitely one then. There was a little chirpy click. Interesting to see what you get off that. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to go back because um, we've had it out. We had it in the kitchen and we had clicking from it mm -hmm. or sounds. Um, we had it over by the dishwasher. So we were trying to kind of see if there was any sort of energy still in that region and um, seemed hmm. like there was something that was setting it off. But again, trying to keep things all separate so it wasn't triggered by a different device or anything. That's that's why I originally got into using uh, the devices like that, was was just trying to, when someone said they had K2 going off, I would get that out with purveyor phones and just and scan the area to see if I could hear if there was any residual emf or, or just sort of natural network cables or, or something that, that you couldn't see so it is really good for debunking as well as trying to capture something we piped it in through a um zoom recorder and then that's coming through the podcast system but uh, it's been interesting to watch the levels change on it when it, it's you know picking up some sort of a frequency or you know uh, sound if you will but uh, not that I didn't expect it to work, but I've been comparing it to my, you know, router or using the router for an example. And so like, well, mm -hmm. we'll see what it's going to do inside St. Ignatius and lo and behold. I'm guessing there's not much in the way of, um, power. No. Still in St. Ignatius then? No. So there's only, um, one, two rooms that have power, I believe. And then they've got like lights strung across through like power strips, but not anything that's actually full blown power up here. Yeah. And if they were on, the, the lights would all be on, I imagine. Right. Yeah. But it is dark. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't mind the lights on right now, eh? Uh, you know, tonight, probably not. <laughs> yeah. I don't usually get jumpy like this, but it's a damn sound. Is that somebody? 
Sound like someone, yeah. Down the way. But this is also the floor. Okay, that's gotta be Bow or somebody. But this is also the floor that I was up here and we had the laser grid shooting the opposite way. And we heard people running up the stairs, like sneakers on marble floor. Nobody else was here. Was that, that that video you shot where you were going around the corner and then there was that figure that looked like it was in a, a doctor's coat going into that room? That was fantastic. So we're actually in the room that they were walking out of and panned down the hall and caught that. So we're actually on that floor right now. Are you sure that's Pal? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to get up and look? Do you have your flashlight? Yeah. <laughs> The doctor doing his rounds? <laughs> could be. Could be a nurse. <laughs> Ghost Hunter's got the sound of a like a squeaky gurney, like the wheels, which is something that you do hear from time to time. Uh, you also hear random voices. Um, we thought we heard some voices earlier tonight, so you just never know what you're going to get. Um, I routinely uh, investigate this place that used to be um, a military asylum. And one thing that, that works really well there is is I've got recordings of hospital noises and sort of bustlings and, and some beepings and, and the sort of general kind of hustle and bustle hospital. And I'll play it in specific rooms like before we investigate that so that it kind of warms it up. Oh. I found that works really well to kind of just, again, kind of get the right sort of mindset or kind of tune into it or attract attention. But it's... it's kind of an interesting way of doing it, which works in some locations and not others, but hospital noises in, in, in hospitals, for some reason that, that works pretty well. I'll definitely keep that in mind. I, I didn't actually think about that at all. I know that um, after hearing about your experiments with the monk outfit, um, it kind of got me thinking about like just the reason, not residual, but kind of recreation of time or recreating events um, and just trying to be in that period time or clothing or what have you it might be um, and just what that could, um, you know, potentially capture or, or I want to say conjure, but that's not the right word. That's where I'm slipping. My brain is going um, more yeah, or less. Attract. Attract. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, so just kind of curious to that, but um, it's definitely something that I will note and, and do because I think that that could certainly um, bring out some life to it. Charles has just looked down the hallway. What'd you find? Nothing. Oh, nothing? Nothing. Oh, Finn. I didn't see any flashlights, hear any voices. Fantastic. So. There was definitely, definitely someone moving around, wasn't there? There was, yeah. So. Nice. Um, so that could have even been in here mm -hmm. and we just don't know. Uh, thank goodness for all the recorders that are out right now. Somebody had to have got something, so we'll see. Um, interesting. Andy was suggesting that um, for investigations, something that he'll do before going in to do an investigation, he'll play hospital sounds mm. to see what that might kind of bring up. And it reminded me of Rose's room when the spirit box 
the Xbox kept saying sing over and mm-hmm. over, which is coincidentally the same thing I would get on my Xbox when I would come here and try to do anything in Rose's room. That's why I stopped using that box. So you should have said. <laughs> Always next time, right? <laughs> I think that we had one time we were here and a group of people actually played was it 40s band big band music something something like that yeah like 40s music Mm. or some some sort of a genre of music and they were getting sls responses um and that was i think in the children's room but really interesting to think about what you can do to change that atmosphere or um try to you know attract communication and, and just um maybe remind spirit of a happier time for them. I also wonder if it's it's getting yourself in the same mindset as them. Like that makes sense. I don't know, maybe kind of calibrating your your own kind of brave brain to kind of be thinking about that sort of time, thinking about that sort of person. And then you, that makes it a bit easier as well. Maybe build that rapport a little bit better too in a sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if two people sitting there listening to music together, you tend to kind of, you know, you have that connection, even if you don't really know them that well. Music brings everybody together. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially, yeah. I, I, I use music a lot. And use it sort of sometimes to try and figure out um, who you're with. So, for example, in Forts, I've got a collection of MP3s from different military organizations um, from different countries um, across different centuries as well. And then try and play the different ones, then try and hone in on maybe which regiments the, the, the person you're communicating with came from. And then go back and repeat that later and see if you get the same sort of results. So we've got a couple of places where um, artillery regiment music always triggers responses. Like uh, every time I've tried it so far, to be fair. That's interesting. Um, but like... Likewise, um, I've seen other people, and I've not done this, but this is a nice, nice thing when you talk to people about things you found work, then they tell you. Um, they've said that when you play music live, fantastic responses. There's, um, there's an investigator who's most in the UK, but there's some US stuff called MJ Dixon, who's um, does some really interesting investigations, and she I've seen her play guitar um, alone <laughs> inside a, a, a military factory that was built underground. The responses you're getting were fantastic. Um, I've not tried it yet because the only thing I can really play well is a recorder. And no <laughs> one that. Yeah, that, I've mastered that myself, the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to attract anyone that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we're talking about the musical instrument, the recorder, no, but hitting the play button, that's the recorder I do best. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a harmonica. That one's, that one's safe. Yeah, that one's safe for me. Gosh. Ah, harmonica, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I um, just, however I choose to play it, I guess. I can, I, I can blow through it, but... Yeah, yeah. I have no musical ability whatsoever. No, it's probably why I've not tried that one myself as well. But uh, I understand that it, it works even better than recordings. Did you just hear that slam again? Yeah. It sounds like doors slamming. But after thinking about it, there wouldn't be anybody slamming doors because they don't shut doors up here. Like, they don't have locks or anything up here that they deal with. 
the, the good thing is that one sounded further away than when we were hearing the, the footsteps and <clears throat> doors moving earlier. Yes. That sounded a lot closer before. Yeah. Well, that's my time, Andy. It's been great talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> time to run out of here. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've done everything you can tonight. Best time to, best time to go home. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm floored by just what's happened tonight. Um, not that I've ever thought this place had no activity. I, I think that this place is very much alive at all hours uh, of the day itself. But uh, this this is a lot different than the last time we were here. That's for sure. Because the last time it seemed super quiet. Mm-hmm. Aside from realizing that we weren't in room 210. <laughs> Gosh. I, don't, I still don't even know what room we were in. Oh my gosh. Andy, it's been great talking with you. If people want to pick up your devices, where can they get that? It's Skya, spelled S-C-I-R-E tech.co.uk. So skyatech.co.uk. And then also, you have a fairly new podcast, you and Mary. Um, Do you want to talk about the podcast at all? Uh, yeah, briefly. It's it's called Arcane Frequencies, and you can find it currently on Spotify mainly and uh, Google Podcasts. And that's where we kind of delve into different theories and explore them a little bit, but then at the end of it, come up with how we're going to progress that. So if people are seeing white ladies in a building, what, what are we going to do about it? When we go back to that building next, what are we going to try? And then come back and we'll tell you uh, how that worked out. And what happens next so it's it's trying to be a bit of a scientific but progressive scientific so we're we're moving things forward a little bit so it's arcane frequencies arcane frequencies you should check it out Charles. Oh, well, I'll, I'll have to do that i'll tell you the one thing mirrors are portals <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it doesn't it <laughs> i mean it really who, who in their right mind i know they do buy a mirror at a yard sale don't no not would, doing that i would <laughs> you're more than welcome to what you do in your basement <laughs> is between you and Kelly <laughs> we're always talking about how Charles likes to try to conjure things in his basement Harry Houdini <laughs> oh using the spirit on his birthday yep right yep. or on his uh, Halloween the day he died yeah that's that's what he said isn't it he'd come he'd communicate back on his, his birthday right, right. You did have a oh, question oh, thing. for Andy, though. Do you remember your question? Oh, uh, are you familiar with Harry Price? Uh, uh, he's yeah. Well, I'm reading his book currently. Actually, it's a fascinating theory that there are more than two different types of of hauntings. So, apart from intelligent and residual, that there's a third type, which um, is revenant. And that's where you have a, um, it's almost like an intelligent haunting. So it's, it's, it's not just repeating itself, but it isn't really aware of the current environment. So it's, it's almost though the, the haunting is, is just keeping on living in the place. And that happens in places where they were really happy and they wanted to stay and they didn't want to go. Sort of like the movie, The Others, where mm-hmm. these, these people are kind of just living in this house and they're continuing. And that's, that sort of, thing you can witness but it, it doesn't make sense in this sort of the classical intelligent or residual so 
I quite like that theory of his. I don't think it's really caught on, though. But uh, it's in a lot of his books. Right. Uh, I've just lately become aware of him and his investigations at, was it Borley Manor? Yeah, yeah, Borley Rectory. Rectory. Yeah, it's, um, yes. Not there, unfortunately. It um, burnt down. And right. they'd, um, they'd had a medium say that it would burn down like a year before it occurred, which was fascinating. Uh, uh, two other cases I'm fascinated is the skull experiments and the Philip experiment. Are you familiar with those? So, so is, was Philip a doll? Uh, they say that? The uh, Philip experiments is where they created uh, a character named Philip. They made the entire history, and they began oh, to yes. yeah, get uh, results. I thought that was pretty interesting. I've seen that, actually, in, in real life as well. This is another... MJ Dixon thing at, at um, Bodmin Jail, where she had a group of people sit around in a circle and say, okay, everyone concentrate on the same word. And the word was bacon. And just think about it. And she left a record in the middle of the circle. No one spoke or anything. And play the EVP um, back. And there was an EVP of the word bacon on it. Oh, wow. Crazy. That is. That's so, insane. Was that paranormal? Was it just about there was, you know, 20 people all thinking the same thing? Right. Exactly. Well, what is on your agenda today, Andy? Um, ooh, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm actually doing two custom pieces, um, devices. Um, one's for um, Rob Demarest from Ghost Hunters International. Um, it's something he's interested in trying out, so I'm putting that together. And another one is actually a music-based one, which is for a local group who wants to have a music box which triggers on different um, environmental changes, but then they pick the music or the audio track that plays when that occurs. So if then someone's able to control the temperature, et cetera, they, they can choose their music. So it's like a um, spirit jukebox, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm putting together the boards for those today and so I'm doing some prototyping and then um, going to another games Ooh. night, actually, a little board games thing with some friends in the evening. Oh, fun. Um, I'm sorry to blow past the games night piece. <clears throat> you're not seeing my face right now, but you're now just telling me about this music jukebox. What? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ray. <laughs> I mean, geez. Well, I'll send you a little video. There you go. Please, please. Yeah. I mean, it sounds super cool. I mean, the thought of it, <clears throat> it just like yeah, that... different level. And and it was kind of it's kind of i'm going to use it more for automating the thing i was talking about earlier so if you put military music in each one of those different tracks mm -hmm. and then you explained how to get to them then you could see if the same tracks are actually getting triggered again and again then that gives you information as well as you know is there as a, as a way of communicating in other ways fascinating i i said it to you the other day and i'll always say it to you i hope to learn half of what you know someday <laughs> I'm I'm constantly amazed how quickly you're you're picking this all up. It's uh, it's fantastic to see. You're you're learning things that took me years to get to. Wow, it's because I have a a great teacher. So thank you. And a great co-host. Yeah, <laughs> great co-host. An amazing co-host <laughs> who's willing to to go off and check out all those footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days I won't be coming back. Something will get me. <laughs> Rose will find you and snatch you up. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, Andy, thanks so much for joining us. We do have to 
break down our gear. Uh, we're getting the flag that we need to pack and go. So let's do this again, please. Let's, let's try to make this a habit. It's been a pleasure for it's, talking to you. It has been fantastic. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, love to come back again. Perfect. Well, I'm going to try to get a couple hours of sleep before we hit the road and uh, I'll check in with you soon. Uh, but thank you so much for getting up early. I guess it would be early. I don't know what time you get up, but it is, it is on a Sunday. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> you are a night owl on the weekend at that much. I know, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> thanks for having a cup of tea with us. And I hope you have a great Sunday and I will talk to you shortly. Thanks very much. Have a safe drive. Thank Catch you. you soon. Well, Mr. Andy Guy, phenomenal. Yes, very. I was very impressed by him. I I'd never uh, talked to him, so I was very impressed with him. The man's a friggin' genius. Yep. That was a different episode for Boo Crew Case Files. Um, I'm hitting 22 hours awake. Yeah. Um, I think it's time to close up shop for the day, wrap up the cords, pack the boxes and head on down the hill and call it a Boo Crew case file. I, I agree. It's been a long day. All right, folks, if you've heard anything, because there's going to be a lot here to digest, uh, we've got the EMF microphone that I built, Andy's phenomenal devices. We've got a, a couple different digital recorders. We caught doors banging, footsteps, clicking sounds, which I don't think was the microphone. So what I'm getting at, if you hear something, you want to let us know, email me, boocrew.pnw at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Boo Crew Case Files. Charles, thanks for sticking it out with me. Well, thank you for having, having me, and good night, everybody. After packing up our gear and heading downstairs to leave St. Ignatius, we had a moment to talk with Val and ask her if anybody had been on the second level with us or if she had come upstairs to take a look at a few things and was making the sounds that we were hearing. What she told us sent a chill down her spine. She told us that everybody from the tour had left about 15 to 20 minutes after we went upstairs. Now, I do recall hearing a couple of the guests either on the same level or walking through the stairwell shortly into the recording. But that doesn't explain the sounds of the doors opening or shutting, nor does it explain the footsteps. The sound of the door latching or unlatching as it opens reminds me of the hospital stairwell doors that you would see just in any hospital or possibly the emergency exit. I don't have any explanation for those sounds as those doors either are wide open as you're going through St. Ignatius or if it is to the fire escape, they are sealed and you cannot go out them unless you have the key. So who or what was on that level with us when we were in the confessional the other night? Very, very, very clear audio of those doors opening and shutting and footsteps. What an amazing night. We did several other recordings while we were there. Those we referenced when speaking with Andy and will be released very soon. 
A huge thanks to Andy Guy for joining us at St. Ignatius virtually. What a phenomenal guy. What a great conversation. I look forward to more. That concludes this episode of Boo Crew Case Files. Stick around, more coming up, and some new stuff that we'll be trying out here very soon. Want to check out St. Ignatius for yourself? Tickets are available for tours at www.coolfaxhauntedhospital.com. Schedule your tour now.